But I was sitting in the office the other day and listened to some music. And uh, an old song came on. And uh, we had some friends down in Florida used to sing that song an awful lot. I, en <coughs> I enjoyed the song. It brought a lot of memories back to my mind. And I listened to it, and I got a little happy. But it's a song that has a good meaning. It's a song that uh, maybe we ought to ask ourselves, is that me? Is that me? And the song is Excuses. You've heard that song. Excuses, excuses, I hear them every day. Well, the bench is too hard, the bench is too soft, it's too hot, it's too cold. I mean, it's just, oh, we got excuses for everything today. Jeremiah chapter 1, I went there and looked at that. And uh, I'm going to read a few verses and I'm just going to expound a little bit. I'm going to give you the excuse and then I'm going to give you the promise on why you cannot keep that excuse in your life. And we'll be done. I'm going to be short tonight. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 4, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Behold, I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained you, thee a prophet unto the nation. Then said I, O Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. Verse 17, Therefore gird up thy loins, and rise, and speak unto them that all have commanded thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. For behold, I have made thee this day a defense city, and an iron pillar, and a brazen wall against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, and against the princes thereof, and against the uh, priests thereof, and against the people of the land. And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee, for I am with thee, said the Lord to deliver thee. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you tonight. We just ask you to touch our hearts and open our minds, Lord, to be what we need to be. Help us to stand strong in this world that we live in today, Lord, the evilness and sin in this world. Lord, we know that we can look around and see that uh, it won't be long that you come back, Lord. We've got our eyes fixed in heaven. And Lord, the Bible says, look up for your redemption draws nigh. Lord, we believe that that's going to happen soon. Father, we'll praise and glorify you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. We're, we're skillful, skillful art of Making excuses. Uh, I don't know about you. Uh, they said, I, some say people, I said, I don't understand that. Uh, I can't find the right tool. Uh, the voices tells me to clean all my guns today, not to go to work. I threw out my back bowling. I love that one. Is that probably there? They said they have, I have a doctor's appointment. We can find all kinds of excuses in this world. We can look around. But my favorite excuse that I've actually literally has heard on why somebody could not come to work was that they got up that morning and accidentally took two X-lax with their pro-sax and they were sitting on a commode and could not get off, but they were happy about it. We specialize in making excuses. Ben Franklin wrote, He that is a good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else. Jeremiah had every excuse ready for God when God called him to be a prophet. His excuses are often 
our excuses for not doing something for God, what God has called us to do, what God has placed us in our heart to do, and yet we'll throw an excuse out. We counter each excuse. God says, you know, every time you've given me an excuse, I can give you a promise on why you should do what you do. Here in Jeremiah, he was called to be a prophet of the nation. Tonight, Jeremiah's excuse was the task is, is demanding. He was called to be a prophet. He wasn't called to be a priest like his father was and his grandfather. A prophet was chosen and uh, authorized spokesman for God who declared God's word. We often think of prophets that are uh, as people who can tell the future. The prophet spoke message to the people about the future of the nation. Exposing the people's sin, sins, calling them back to their covenant responsibilities with God. Being a prophet was more demanding than being a priest. The priest's duties were predictable. Everything was written down in the law, what they had to do and what they could not do. The prophet never knew from one day to the next what the Lord would call him to do. The priest worked primarily to preserve the past. The prophet labored to change the present of the nation. Priests dealt with the external rituals, sacrifices, offerings, services, whereas the prophet tried to uh, reach and change the hearts of those in the nation. Priests minister primarily to individuals with various needs that had in their life. The prophet, on the other hand, addressed the whole nation of what God has spoken to him. But usually the people did not want to hear the message that the prophet gave them. Priests belonged to a special tribe, the Levite tribe. They had authority, they had respect. But a prophet could come from anywhere. And to prove he had a divine call, God had to use him and speak through him. The priests used the, uh, the, the sacrifices, and that's how they got their meat and their meals, but the prophet had none. We know, we've been studying Jeremiah, and Jeremiah is just one of those calls, a weeping prophet, because he looked at the people and he cried because of what was going on in the uh, country and how they had backslid against God, how they rebelled against God, and, and he broke his heart. And he never knew from one day to the next day whether he was going to be in prison, whether he was going to be killed. He just didn't know. That was the prophet's life. But the promise good, God says, I've signed you a demanding task. I've given you this task. You are a prophet. I give you this task. And you cannot quit. 
He said, I've chosen you before I, I formed you in the womb. I have set you apart before you were born. God knew Jeremiah, chose Jeremiah, and anointed Jeremiah. He was known by the name and picked by God and commissioned to serve. And those acts give a sense of purpose in his life. The promise of God's purpose allows us to let, us, let go of our own selves and have God give us what we need. Let God plan our life. Let God lead us in our life. We need to accept what God has placed on us. We need to look forward to the things God has given us to do. We are God's people. He has a distinct plan and purpose for every one of our lives tonight. Every one of us. The promise. The excuse. My talents is inadequate. I've heard that plenty of times. But I protest, O Lord, Lord God, look, I don't know how to speak since I'm a youth. Jeremiah felt inadequate as a public speaker. By the way, Moses used the same excuse that Jeremiah did. When God called, I felt honored, but I said, Lord, I, I am inadequate I, I cannot do this I, I am bashful I, I cannot be what you're calling me to be I cannot do this I'm shy God has a way of overcoming weaknesses in our flesh insufficiencies in our lives God has a way of overcoming them I've learned over the years, however, that the pre person that most aware of his own inadequacies is usually the person most dependent on God's self-sufficiency. When you learn to depend on God, what God can give you, what God can work through you, your, your inadequacy is, is just pushed away. And it calls you to rely on God more and more each day. His strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. His glory is manifested through our flaws. Promise is our talent may appear to be inadequate. We would always, God always equip those He calls. We have the promise of God's provision. The Lord reached out His hand and touched His mouth. And told him, I, I, I have now filled your mouth with my words. It's not your words. It's not so much the touch to purify. It was to inspire and empower Jeremiah to go out and do what God has called him to do. To speak on behalf of God. We need a more pre preachers today that has been touched by God. To speak the word of God. To live the life of God. Jesus felt the same thing at his baptism. 
The Spirit of God descended on him as a dove, and God spake and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. God touches you. God quips you. God's going to guide you. God does not bless the uh, golden tongue orator. But he looks for those that was willing to be used by him, willing to open their mouth and say, this is what the Lord has said. And he's placed the coals in their mouth and he's purified their tongue. God does not use the most gifted or the most talented person. He just uses those that are uh, looking to do something for God. God will always use the unmost, un, unlikely person to get his job done. To shake a church, to shake a community, a nation. Never underestimate the power of the touch of God. Especially when God does the touching. See the promise. You can be adequate in all things that God has called you to do, what God has led you to. And the excuse, he said this, the time is not right. Time's not right. Jeremiah said, God, I am only a youth. The word youth unfortunately renders child as some version of the Bible, but originally denotes that a young unmarried man in his teens or early 20s. Most scholars think that Jeremiah was around about 20, 25 when he started working for God. He had such a deep sense of immaturity. He felt inferior, inexperienced, intimidated by the size of the task that God has laid upon him. I'd say that would probably scare a lot of people today if God has called you to do something like that. God said, I'll give you what you need. Can I say this? You're never too young or never too old for God to use you. If you're still here, God's got a purpose for you. God has got a plan for you. If young people says, well, I cannot be used of God. Yeah, you can be used of God. All you got to do is surrender yourself to God. Old people, you can still be used by God. I'm old in years and think I can't do what I used to do, but God still can use you to do things that he needs to be done. The promise God calls may call, come at an in, inappropriate time in your life. But he never sends forth a servant alone. He's never by himself. We have the promise of God's presence in our life. Then the Lord said unto me, Do not say I am only you, for you will go to everyone I send you to and speak to whatever I tell you. Do not be afraid of anyone, for I will be with you to deliver you. This is the Lord's declaration to Jeremiah. And we've been in the book of Jeremiah, and we've seen that declaration come true time after time after time in Jeremiah's life. They sought to kill him time after time after time, but God always delivered Jeremiah. God had his hand on Jeremiah. Nobody was going to touch him unless God said okay, but God held him up. God kept him. He put a fence around him. 
But note this, before Jeremiah could ever experience God's presence, before he could ever experience God's presence, he had to go where God sent him to. Speak what God told him to speak. And reject the fear. Someone once said, that when God calls us to the task, He does not give us a road map. God walks with us. God, God guides us and he, he, he holds our hand along the way. He gives you the strength to stand and face no matter what you have to stand and face. The excuse the teaching is dangerous. The Lord did not give Jeremiah a joyful message, but a tragic message of judgment, bondage. Jeremiah would be misunderstood, persecuted, arrested, imprisoned more than once. His life was threatened. The people did not want to hear the truth, and that's the same today. People don't want to hear the truth. Jeremiah told them plainly that they were defying the Lord. We tell them today, you're defying the Lord. You're disobeying God's commandments. You're disobeying God's law. You're destined for judgment by God. Too dangerous, too dangerous of a job. And throughout the Bible, God uses images, the boiling pot to communicate his wrath that's coming against the, Lord, the world. He says, what do you see, Jeremiah? And he replied, I see a sea and pot. And faces there is toward the north. The pot represents the nation of Babylon that would come and invade and conquer. The reason for the judgment was because the Israel's adultery. Rebellion against God and God's righteous will. We'll see the promise of God to Jeremiah. When God says, though us may be dangerous, but God gives us the strength to endure. We have the promise of God's prevailing. So today I am the one who has made you fortified the city of iron, pillars and brass, walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah and its officials, its priests, and to the population. They, they will fight against you, but they will never prevail against you. Since I am with you, I'll rescue you. The person that stands with God will prevail. Someone once said, with God is the majority. Without God, you are helpless. With God, you can prevail. And I believe that. And then he said, do I have to go now? God is expecting immediately Action from Jeremiah and God said, now get ready, stand up and tell them everything that I have commanded you 
Jeremiah's day, the men had, had their uh, loose robes on and they would come together with a belt in order to run and do the work they needed to do. And Jeremiah was in it for the struggle. He knew that it was going to be a fight on his hands. So the phrase, dress yourself for work, or and they said, gird up thy loins, was a metaphor that means get ready for action. Today we would say, roll up your sleeves. God is called. He was called to move among the people. He was called to deliver an offensive message. He would not be welcome nor accepted. The anger his hearers, every time he spoke, they wanted to get him. But the promise, God expects obedience immediately. If we don't do what God is telling us, we in danger of God's wrath. We have the promise of God's power. He said, do not be intimidated by them or I will cause them to cover before them. Immediately, immediate obedience is the only appropriate response when God calls. Whatever you think of Jesus, remember this, his heart was willing, he's an obedient heart. He always did what his father told him to do, commanded him to do. There was no hesitation, no questioning, no arguing, no, no over-convening. Only immediate action. Has God called you for something today? Then he will fulfill the purpose that he's called you for. He will equip you for what you need. He will enable you. He will protect you. He will accompany you. Are you being called by God? Or are you going to make an excuse on why you can't do what God has called you to do? When God clearly says, I am with you. I'll never leave you. Jeremiah spoke what God had told him to do. It was not a well-accepted message. The message today is not a well-accepted message. It still makes people anger. But we still have to say what God has told us to say. What God has placed in the heart to say and speak in the world that needs it today more than ever. We're going back to Jeremiah's time when everybody seems to be angry at the man of God telling them this, this God said and they can read it in the book themselves and this is what God has said but yet they want to get angry about it. There is a judgment coming. We need to be ready for it. We need to prepare ourselves for it. And can I say we must have a clean heart, a clean mind, one with God. Jeremiah said, I will speak your words. I will go where you want me to go. And he knew what he was facing. 
Can I say, do you know what you're facing today? In a world that hates you, doesn't want you around them, are you willing to stand and say, Lord, I'm going to speak your word. I'm going to follow you no matter what. We can make an excuse as we become a professional excuse maker today. I was trying to make excuses on why I didn't have to come to church this morning. But I couldn't find one good one. God will not allow you to make excuses if you are his. He will get you. He will come on to you. He'll chastise you. But I believe we're making excuses every time we turn around. God has called you to do something. We didn't just cause to sit in the pew and act happy and go home. He's called you to do something. Now, we got a lot of people in here doing a lot of things. They're doing what God has called them to do. And we need to support the people. When God says, I've called them to do this, we need to support them with everything we have. With every bit of the prayers that we can offer up and every bit of the support that we can give up, God's called them. God has called the singers are singing. We support them with everything. The teachers just teach. We should support them with everything they need because God has called them and they're willing to step up and say, I will do it. What are you doing? What are you doing? That'd be a question you need to ask yourself. What are you doing? Am I being a part or I'm being a hindrance? And I'm being an encourager or a hinder? You say, we're all in church. Yeah, but you still have those in church too. You still have them in church. I don't know about you, but I don't want to hinder anybody from doing what God has called them to do. Don't want to do it. Because I'd have to face God about that. And I don't think anybody here wants to face God about hindering somebody from doing what God has called them to do. I really don't think so. Unless the devil has gotten a hold of them, you might decide you want to do that. We need to come together as a church. No animosity between anybody, no hatred for anybody, no dislike for anybody. I, I do this, you do that, and I don't like that, I don't like this. I'm, hey, if anybody wants to preach, let me know. I'll step down. I don't have a problem with it. We need to come together. Lay aside all, oh man, <laughs> lay aside all malice, strife, anger, bitterness. Because if you can't lay aside those things, the devil's got you. You belong to the devil. And can I say the devil has got a lot of Christian people sitting in churches today and they don't even realize it? They have got them. Your mind right with God and get your heart right with God. You get your mind right with God and get your heart right with God, you'll get right with everybody else in here. Everybody else in here. I am not called for you to like me. 
I'm not called for that. I'm called to tell you what God has said. Now, if you've got a problem with that, you take it up with God. Now, I'm just telling you what his word says. But we're called to love everybody. We're called to love brothers and sisters. We're called to do that. And not only are you called, <laughs> not only are you called to do it, you are called to show it. To show it. You can't show the love for brother and sister something's wrong with you. And I'm talking about brothers and sisters. You can't show anybody love in this church, everybody love in this church, something's wrong with you. I'm going to tell you that now because everybody in here loves everybody. But we have them. They're in church every day, every day. We need to get where God can use this church to be what God has called this church to be. I don't want to be a hindrance. If I'm a hindrance, y'all tell me. I'll step down. I don't have a. I don't want to be a hindrance. You don't want to be a hindrance. Show the love. Strife, malice, bitterness, anger, seared heart. It all needs to go away. It all needs to go away. You know, the Bible says when you're born again, you become a new creature. If that's true, then why do we keep the same habits we did before we got born again? That tells me you're not the same, you're not a new creature. You're born again, you're a new creature. And you need to get home and look in the mirror and say, have I become that new creature that God has called me to be? I would look hard. Examine yourself. And if you can't do it, ask God, because I guarantee you God will show you. He will show you. I sat in my recliner for the last hour and a half praying, Lord, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? It needs to go away. It needs to end. It needs to come clean. You're a new creature in Christ? Act like it. Act like it. Because if you're not, that'd have to challenge you whether you've been saved or not. That'd have to challenge you. Amen.